Welcome to Survive and Thrive, where Oklahomans reflect on COVID-19 and racism. Survive and Thrive is a 24-episode podcast series where our team will interview Oklahomans across a diverse spectrum as how to survive and thrive during the twofold crisis of the health and racial pandemics. Oklahomans are no stranger to tragedy. The state's history is checkered with traumas such as the Dust Bowl, Tulsa Race Massacre, Trail of Tears, and the Oklahoma City bombing. Out of those tragedies was born the Oklahoma Standard. Now, as the state once again grapples with hardship, this time with COVID-19 and racial heartache, we will hear from multiple Oklahomans who must once again learn to survive and thrive. We are your hosts, Carolee Langford and Brooklyn Wayland. We are here with Dana Tiger, a local artist and part of the Muscogee Creek Nation. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate it. So we'll just go ahead and jump right in. But I know things have been a little crazy. Well, last year, really, and kind of unpredictable right now. But how have you been during this pandemic, just in general? Well, um, it's been a, it was a strange year last year, and I traveled to New Mexico and then got back in March. I had to go to bed for a whole month for some strange reason, and I, I didn't know anything about COVID at that time. It was very strange. But yeah. then in October, actually, I caught the, I for sure caught COVID on October 1st. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. I went and got tested. You know, I was positive. It's definitely been a roller coaster of a year for everyone, I'm sure. But can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and kind of how you got to where you are today? I was born into a family where I was born to, you know, Jerome and Peggy Tiger and Jerome Tiger. My dad was, you know, one of the finest artists that there was. Yeah. And so we grew up you know, surrounded by his artwork. He um, passed away when I was five years old Hmm. and he was only 26. But, you know, my mom created the Jerome Tiger Art Company and that's how we were taken care of, you know, all our growing up after that in 1967, you know, his his artwork and my mom's dedication to keeping the art alive. And that's how we were, you know, taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I guess, a gifted artist growing up, but I really didn't want to be an artist when I got to my decision-making years, because yeah. <laughs> I think I was just intimidated, for one, by the greatness <laughs> of my father. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, his children, three of us, naturally had the ability to do art, I guess, and so me and my brother both were pursuing that direction to be artists but my sister went a you know different route but she's she was able to do art as well and we all won art art awards when we were growing up in shows all the time and won a lot of trophies and it was it was fun so tell me a little bit more why are you so passionate about this and and how do you think that it kind of serves oklahomans well, I'm passionate about my spot in life because when I was a little kid, I just thought my mother hung the moon, you know. I just thought she could mm. do anything, and I was just so proud of her. I remember as a small child just, uh, you know, almost swooning when she'd come to school and my classmates could see her. I really you know, thought my mother could do anything, you know, that feeling. And, and my, I don't know, I just thought women were awesome. And then eventually that's what I would, you know, become to paint. You know, that would be my subject matter. It just naturally, I guess, made me 
have the desire to paint women in all their strength and glory, really. But I'm thankful for, you know, having been an artist because, you know, it's helped me to be able to take care of myself and my family. That's a huge deal, you know, due to the fact that people wanted to have my art in their home. I was able to take care of all the things that I needed to take care of. And then I got Parkinson's and that's the wrench in the system. But still, yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful and, what you know, happy, well off in a way that, you know, I know that I'm blessed. You know, I've got a little four-year-old grandson now that his name is Aiden Jerome Tiger and he's an artist as well. Oh, I love it. My my children are both artists too. My son is 25 and my daughter's 27 and they're both really gifted artists. My son sculpts and my daughter paints and draws and does digital artwork. And oh, wow. So I've got a huge job here to take care of and to continue this legacy that, you know, I was born into. Yeah. So that's that's my uh, position. That's my what I'm here to do. You know, I know that. So that's yeah. what I'm. You know, with this pandemic and everything, you know, I stay. I haven't gone anywhere really and uh, done any shows like I used to. Mm-hmm. But I've been uh, staying close to home, just taking care of all the art that I got to take care of. I got to take care of my uncles and my dads and. My brother, Chris, he was killed at age 22, but yet he was a gifted and talented artist that was going to go on to do great things. But we've got his art here, and I've got to make sure that the world knows about him. So can you tell us a little bit more about managing the Tiger Art Gallery in Muskogee? Kind of what, what made this something you and your family are so passionate about? Like I said, art was the family business. You know, yeah. uh, we all drew. My mom created the art company and then the Tiger Art Gallery. And, and she invented a T-shirt business where we made Indian art on T-shirts and sold to the likes of J.C. Penney And the whole family and and a lot of other people worked at the gallery, the same place that it is right now in Muskogee. It was just, oh, it was just a, a wonderful way to live and take care of ourselves and, the, you know, each other and the community in a way and when my brother was killed you know that changed a whole lot you know everything for us so I had moved to Tahlequah I kind of just separated myself out there in the woods I bought myself a place and and, uh, eventually met the man that I had asked to marry me but he does everything to help me and we work together on the land that we live on where I grew up it's 30 acres outside of Muskogee, and we're starting a aquaponics business venture and with a Cheyenne friend of ours, and we hope to grow food and medicine. So we have our Tiger Art Gallery in town in Muskogee, five miles away from our house, and we have art in there. We have art everywhere. We have a big home out here filled with art. The house didn't start out huge, but then it just expanded and got bigger and bigger because, you know, so much art and so many people that grew up living with us and, you know, even famous artists that live in Santa Fe now, you know, and have a gallery there live with us and famous writers and we're just, you know, everybody's came and had an experience out here to tiger family wow i love that (laughs) so my mom was a big influence on a lot of people and my dad was and you know a lot of people have told me that they are an artist because of my father's work you know that they pursued being an artist because of you know what he did so you know to be only 26 when he passed away you know to have done the monumental things that he had done Mm-hmm. I think about him every day, and it's just a sacred thing to be able to call my work in daily life uh, to business. But 
it's also, you know, my life and my honor to be able to talk about each family member and, you know, what they contributed in the art world or various other things that, you know, they did. So I've got a huge, 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 huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I'm always thinking about how I can make it all that it can be because of all that it has been. Yeah. Well, you kind of talk about how art is more of a, like a family tradition, but what does that look like in regards to your messaging? Why are you still so passionate to tell these stories through your art? You know, I look at society and I guess always have, you know, that women didn't get a fair shake of the deal, you know, and and Native women even less so because, you know, we have Indian women being attacked and disappeared and killed at a higher rate than any ethnicity, you know, per capita. Yeah. And so, you know, I I didn't know that growing up, but I just knew that women were awesome and, and I, I just love I painted that just by natural inclination because I had so many fantastic role models around and I just knew that it was true, even though, you know, personally I didn't feel that way about myself, but I painted it because I knew it was true about everyone else. And so, you know, I'm passionate because finally, you know, at fifty nine years old, I'm at a place where I know, you know, my part is just really important in in the link and the flow of all that because, you know, if I hadn't done what I did and painted when I wondered if I was gonna make it you know, to the next day due to depression or whatever, you know. So I'm passionate because the art tells a story of who we are, you know, as indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm Muskogee, Seminole, and Cherokee. And we've, you know, we've got so much that we've been through, done, and will do in the future. And it's just a thrill and to know that, you know, it, it can go into a positive direction. I know that your family also founded Legacy Cultural Learning community. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that nonprofit and the mission of it? That was founded in about let's say, 1999 by me and my family. We started doing camps out in the woods, uh, inviting tribal artists and people who knew about how to take care of the, the land and how to do outdoor things. They come in. Uh, I have a doctor friend from Tennessee who, whose idea was to start these camps. And for years, every year we'd be out in the, in, you know, on the land camping and learning about survival skills on the land and you know, about how to cook out, you know, traditional foods, learn, learning our native languages. Our, we have Cherokee fluent speakers and Muscogee fluent speakers out there with us. And I'm telling you, we camped, we camped in a tornado. We had snow one year. We had a, like a monsoon. But we were out there for, you know, days. And it was just so awesome. And, you know, it's memories that we'll always have. And people that were involved in that, I mean, one of them now, she's an actress and she's going to be in Sterling Harjo's production he's doing, filming in Oklahoma. uh, Oh, wow. For the Disney FX reservation dogs. And so, you know, she is very talented. She's an artist. And I feel I'm thankful that I was able to be a part of her life. So, kind of switching topics just a little bit, talking about the racial heartache that we're seeing today. How can Oklahomans be honest about our history, specifically the racial incidents such as? the Tulsa Race Massacre or the Trail of Tears, but how can we be honest about those aspects of our history and how can we grow from that? Yeah, it's it's hard to even hear about those things, but can you imagine our people living through that? We have to rely on the artists and the storytellers and the movie makers and the playwriters and the song makers. 
you know, to combine what happened with how we deal with and how we are going to proceed into the future. You can't, you know, pretend these things didn't happen. That's just, mm. that's a waste of time, you know, and it's, uh, it's not honest. And so mm. when you're honest and you face these things with compassion, you know, you can be better, you can heal, you know, and move forward. It's hard even just personally to have to think about what personally in my family, you know, the loss of my brother with a gunshot, loss of my father, accidental gunshot. You know, all these things that happened that shouldn't have, but did, you know, we have to face that. Be honest and and take uh, accountability and, you know, make the move to, to make things better. You can't believe these non-truths, you know. You got to go with the real, real story. That's There's so much frivolous non-truths uh, floating around and, you know, with media personalities and it's just hateful. You know, it's hateful. I just, I don't even have TV. I have my phone, you know, that I can check up on news and everything because I want to know what's going on because, you know, people are being killed in the streets, you know, and disappeared, you know. These things are happening. My gallery's not even open except by appointment because I realize that this is a horrible thing. My friend died of it, you know, and I, yeah. I was very sick. I think we need to get sensible and reality-based about what, what's happening in this country and world you know it all relates to each other we can't you know we're not in a vacuum for sure yeah so how do you think you're talking about all of the 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 pandemic and just the racial upheaval that we're seeing today how can oklahomans find the light in all of this darkness well you know there's darkness and there's light both both have their place you know you have darkness. Darkness is not a negative thing, you know. It's just a fact of life, but you got to face these facts of life, you know, and you've got to listen to people. And in this pandemic, I'm, you know, able to slow down and be a better listener, you know, because, you know, when you're always trying to say something all the time, you might miss what's really going on. You know, do more listening, I think, would be a key. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because, you know, that's why being an artist is you know, really handy for me because I can go paint my frustrations or paint my visions of strength or empowerment or, uh, you know, I can do that and uh, put it out there for the world to see, you know, hopefully that will be helpful to somebody. Yeah. Um, because I certainly don't know everything, but I do know some things. I do know that I'm a woman in the state of Oklahoma who is a indigenous Muscogee Creek Seminole woman that should be master of her own body. Yet, you know, we've got people wanting more rights for guns than a woman has for her own body. You know, mm. what's that about? You know, mm. So there's a lot yeah. that I might not be the great spokesperson about it, but I do care passionately oh, about yeah. the ability of women to take care of themselves without just this bullcrap Philly lies that go on. You know, women just want to be able to take care of themselves. And it's just the way the world always thinks that they know better than what a woman can do for herself. And, you know, we need to help each other. I appreciate any programs or people that get together and try to help. How do you think Oklahomans can take what we've learned throughout seeing all this racial heartache and dealing with the current pandemic, but how do you think we can come back more resilient and better than we were before? I believe we need to just, like I said, listen to each other and face the realities and take action 
you know, and not let these people that make the rules twist them to their benefit. But they need to be for the benefit of the people. How much riches does a, does a person need to be able to take care of themselves? How much power over someone? I mean, if we can just be compassionate towards each other and support each other and stop this stop the violence you know stop the violence and and the gun gun abuse that would be a major move forward you know with not being able to get out very much you know i i'm thankful for my time at home and everything but Mm -hmm. you know this this world can be a dangerous place but you know you don't want to live in fear all the time i was listening to a woman on npr yesterday you know, the African-Americans, due to the color of their skin, they, they live in fear, you know, just to go out. And, you know, that's got to be horrible on, on their psyche, you know. And mm-hmm. and being a Native woman whose skin is you know, not as dark, but still, you know, not white either. You know, so those things matter. You know, yeah, yeah. words matter, deeds matter. Well, I think that you've you've answered all the questions that we had, but was there anything else that we should know or maybe a question that we should have asked, but we didn't? Well, I I just think that there's great opportunity and and possibility for Oklahoma as a state, you know, working together. You know, just recently, my tribe was, uh, the reservations were um, established as they were supposed to be all along. So we'll see where that leads. But I'm looking forward to having a relationship that's more fair-minded, you know, towards the Native peoples and having more harmony amongst, you know, the the people who before have made decisions for us. But now that we should be back into a position of power, as we always should have been. So I'm looking forward to the relationship that we will have with that new development. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. But again, thank you so much. Yes, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Survive and Thrive. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast by searching Survive in OKLA. We are your hosts, Carolee and Brooklyn. Join us every Wednesday for new episodes. Also participating in this podcast project are Kimberly Burke, our manager, Jesse Smith, researcher and writer, Ji Xuan Fan, the social media coordinator, and Miranda Vondell, our audio engineer. This podcast is presented by Gaylord News in collaboration with the Institute for the Study of Human Flourishing.